Welcome to the Sword on the Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. I'm Tom Aspel. Thank you for listening to the Sword on the Trowel today. You've tuned into a very special edition of the Sword on the Trowel. We're going to devote this whole podcast to a film that we have coming out. Yeah, we have a docudrama. <laughs> I love docudramas. They're my favorite. I watch docudramas all the time. We, we have a Cinedoc coming out. In, it's actually releasing, hopefully, in the fall. That's what we're looking for is in September. But we have the trailer that is dropping today. By what standard? Yeah. It's is a, the title of this film. It's a great t- title, and it's one I think that you ultimately came up with. A lot of folks were helping us think through it. But, man, the way this whole thing came together and even came into being is an incredible story. I, you remember uh, the drama or the, the documentary that was put together by PBS back in 1997 called The Battle for the Minds. Battle for the Minds. It was about largely uh, Al Mohler becoming the president of Southern Seminary and looking at that event in the broader context of what had happened in the SBC with the inerrancy movement where there was a resurgence of the conservative understanding of the authority of scripture. Mm -hmm. And so PBS did this story and it was slanted. Largely it was uh, promoting women in ministry, women pastors, women preachers, and how this conservative resurgence was saying, no, the Bible doesn't allow for that. And so the, the documentary came out in 97, but they just released it online for the first time on YouTube back in February. Mm-hmm. So I remember you and I watched it uh, individually, I think. Mm-hmm. And then we had a friend who was watching it and started texting us. He's not Southern Baptist. And he said, man, this is crazy. This is crazy. We're dealing with the same things. Yeah, going back very through Very similar it. things. And uh, one of the things that struck me about it was the, the liberals back in the 1990s, those who we uh, clearly identified as moderates or liberals, they were not where we are on the authority of Scripture, we're making cases and arguments for women in ministry, women pastors, that today some conservatives who are inerrantists who say, oh, yeah, we're on this side of this mm. battle are making. They sounded almost identical. It was stunning to listen to it. Mm. So we thought we need to make a film. Yeah, and it's fascinating. That phone call, I don't know if you remember this, on Sunday night, oh, I think it was June 2nd. You remember that? You called me because you had just watched it with uh, some family members and uh, folks working with founders. Uh-huh. And uh, you said, man, we need to make a documentary. Yep. You remember that? Yep. So you made a phone call and boom, in the providence of God, things fell together in ways we could never have planned. Yeah. By what standard? God's world, God's rules. Let's, Let's watch it. it. This is God's world and he gets to set the rules. I see godless ideologies that have spread throughout Western civilization over the last several decades with a vengeance. I'd just like to directly address my my white brothers and sisters out there. To tell us what we are supposed to be seeing. Seek outside counsel. We're just not experts in this. I believe that God has given particularly what we call white evangelicals a divine opportunity. Many of these ideologies have been smuggled into many evangelical churches and organizations through the Trojan horse of social justice. We've got an opportunity to prove we need to listen more than we talk. I was not trained in any of this. Churches are gonna be better for finding subject matter experts and pulling them in. We've not been black. This understanding is what causes so many who are moving in these circles, advocating these ideologies, to tell people in the hegemony that what they must do is sit down and be quiet 
and listen. Let's really step up to the plate and humble ourselves the way every Christian should humble themselves and say to the Dahadis and to say to my brothers and sisters here, teach us. And I think some people think the, the gospel would advance much more rapidly if we ingratiated ourselves to the culture. So there's that impulse and then sometimes just a tenderness like what could possibly matter if she preach. She's got a Bible word. I heard somebody on TV and she preached better than my preacher. A Southern Baptist convention that doesn't have a place for Beth Moore doesn't have a place for a lot of us. We need to turn the women loose with the gift that God have ordained them to even preach to men and women. And that's exactly what Paul instructed Phoebe to do. And then we talk ourselves into outsmarting the Bible. And uh, it's almost like, yeah, let's try a little bit. Well, no, that wouldn't matter either. And then you wake up one day and like you're egalitarian. We're always having uh, the powers, the spiritual powers and principalities exert pressure on us. That's not new. So if we can take a clear passage of scripture that says, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority, when we're finished with it, it now says, I do permit a woman in some cases, then there is no stopping where you can take that and where that will go. I had a major a uh, newspaper called me and accosted me with that. You know, can, can you deny the complementarianism behind much abuse? I said, well, clearly it was not motivating Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> The ideas of liberal Christianity did not die. And, and they're here with a vengeance. The critical race theory and intersectionality are simply analytical tools that are meant to be used they're not that's not true it's naive and we're seeing all of this overt attack from the left outside of the church but the insidious stuff inside the church frequently that people don't even recognize for what it is that uses our guilt and our shame against us to get us to do self-destructive things you see it's precisely at this point that i think we're being played we recognize the obligation and we can be played into their agenda as to what to do in order to pursue justice. That has been their core tactic for a century and a half. It's not new. It's not even new to Southern Baptists because Satan does this. He is constantly telling you you should be guilty when you're forgiven. He is constantly asking you to live with regrets when the Father has taken all the sins of the world. Wow. Yeah. Man, I'm looking forward to this uh, project being completed and released and made widely available. Yeah, me too. Boy, what a great uh, great trailer to it. And there's there's so many issues packed into what we're trying to accomplish with this film. There's many different angles and ways to think about errors and dangerous ideas that we're trying to um, address with this thing. And what the guy that's speaking there at the end is Rod Martin. And what he says is one of the kind of key ideas as I see it that are, that's really bad. He says people use our guilt and shame against us to get us to do destructive things. And he yeah. says that this is not new. Um, the devil himself is constantly telling you you're guilty when you're forgiven. And mm -hmm. so guilt manipulation seems to be a, a massive issue. And so how do you deal with that? Well, that's why the documentary or the film is called by what standard, because when somebody's manipulating you, I, I can think of two standards that are a problem on guilt manipulation. The first is, uh, by what standard are you really guilty? Right. So is, is there, is there a law that is 
true, that is God's law, that you have transgressed. Mm-hmm. Because if you've transgressed God's law, you're guilty. Uh, but if you haven't transgressed God's law, then you're not guilty. Right. And you've created some other deal and you're using some other standard. So by what standard are you guilty? But then there's a second. Even if you are guilty of God's law, by what standard are you forgiven? Mm-hmm. And what is the standard uh, by which you're cleansed of your sin? Well, Christianity says the blood of Christ's cross. Jesus yeah. Christ is the Son of God, the Son of Man. He lived, died, and rose again. And yes, we're all guilty. We've all transgressed God's law, but there's forgiveness found in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the standard. He, he is the truth that we uh, apprehend in order to be forgiven, where guilt manipulation doesn't doesn't say that. This is where you've said a number of times that they're they're undercutting the gospel here because this ideology says, well, let me tell you how you can be forgiven, mm-hmm. right? Come and do this, right. whatever it is. Renounce this. And, and it's not repentance and faith in Christ, but it's something else. Yeah, that's so right. So by what standard are you guilty? By what standard are you forgiven? And by what standard are you obligated then to take what steps? Because so much that is being said today is, well, look, man, we've repressed women, therefore we must do this. We have repressed uh, LBGTQ people, therefore we must do this. We've repressed minority uh, races, therefore we must do this. And again, that same question needs to be applied. Says who? Mm -hmm. Where in the scripture do we get that? And we've just subtly kind of lost it. And and man, guilt manipulation is powerful and it is effective. Mm -hmm. John Piper wrote about this years ago under the heading of emotional blackmail, Mm -hmm. where I can tell you, look, man, you know, you've offended me or you, you haven't loved me as you ought to have loved me. And here's the proof, you know, here's the receipts. Look how hurt I am. And if you buy that, if you get on that ground, I've got you. Because now then I can tell you, you've got to stop doing, or you've got to start doing, or else my grief, my pain is going to go on and it's going to be your fault. So uh, the person who understands the gospel the best and is able to see what the Bible says and take God at his word is not going to be so easily played mm-hmm. by that type of tactic. Because if, if you tell me, man, you have hurt me and look what you've done and my pain is the proof of it, therefore you must do something, that's not enough. Jesus said and did things that offended a lot of people, but it wasn't sin and he didn't change his course because of it. You know, mm-hmm. And Spurgeon has this great sermon I think it's on Hebrews 13, 20. I can't remember exactly, but he's got this great sermon and he's got a line in it that says, does this offend you? Well, be ye offended even more right? because I'm going to stand on what the word says. So if I understand that I'm completely forgiven in Jesus Christ and that there is no more condemnation for me because of that, if you come to me trying to heap condemnation on me, I'm not going to accept that. Now, if you can show me serious, honest fault, Praise God, you've helped me, faithful to the wounds of a friend. But if you come and try to, to hold out your pain, your hurt, as the justification for your call for me to live differently, do things, or stop doing things, mm. I want to be impervious to that. Yeah. Come to me with the Bible open or don't come at all. Yeah, and we want to be clear that saying by what standard is in no way 
shirking responsibility in in the call to repent when we really have transgressed the standard. So nobody is to say, well, you know, just whatever. You tell me something, I've done something wrong. I say, by what standard, and walk away. Now, if I say, <laughs> by what standard, and somebody goes, well, here's the Bible, yeah. and here's the truth, and we, we do have blind spots, and we want to be humble, and we want to look to the Word of God and, you know, listen to other brothers and sisters, try to help us see things, and by the Spirit, if there's if there is, that's by what standard means, yeah, I'm going to fall short constantly, even as a Christian, and show me where I have in Scripture, and I will repent and believe. This is a this is the call. I think the um, the by what standard principle is tied into this guilt manipulation, but it's also practical on a lot of issues. There's a lot of issues that are embedded in this film and in the challenges we're facing today. And I think a lot of Christians, well-meaning Christians, are still trying to make up their mind on mm-hmm. a number of these right. things. Am I being guilt manipulated? Or are there real things here I need to own or I need to see more clearly? And I've just got a list of them. Let me tell you the questions that come to my mind. I think there's a lot of good Christians still trying to make up their mind about what is racism? Mm -hmm. uh, What is racial reconciliation? Mm -hmm. And how do we pursue it? Um, How do we deal with unclear alleged sexual abuse cases? Mm -hmm. I was thinking just this morning that if if you're the civil magistrate in... Uh, you know, how many cases come before the civil magistrate where there's not enough evidence to convict anybody. Right. So they just, they, they are permitted to just walk away from that. They say, look, we've, we've done our investigation. That happens all the time in America. Well, in the church, what happens when it's two of your members mm-hmm. and the civil magistrate comes and says, we don't have enough evidence. And now you still got your two members there. You know, what does the church do? I think there's a lot of challenging positions. People are trying to think, what, do, how do I navigate these? What is biblical manhood and womanhood? How should we think about women in ministry? How do we speak with both grace and truth to those living an LGBTQ lifestyle? Right. I think, and so in all of that, we want to say, by what standard? Come back yeah. to the standard. Notice there's a lot of bad ideas out there. Mm-hmm. And come humbly to Scripture and say, okay, God's Word will help us know how to navigate these challenging issues. Yeah, exactly. And, and you've, you've highlighted the three uh, main fronts on which we see this kind of uh, ideology mm-hmm. coming into the church. It's on the racial front. It's on the, the women's front or sexual front. And then it's on the LGBTQ or uh, sexual ethics front. And there's distinguishing uh, characteristics of each of them. One of these things is not like the other two. I mean, there's no sin in being a woman. There's no sin in being any race, uh, minor- minority or majority, uh, culture, ethnicity. But there is clear sin involved in participating in the LGBTQ plus lifestyle and giving yourself to that. So that is really different, and, and those distinctions need to be made. But if a person is not grounded in the issues that you just went through and hasn't begun to think about deeply enough what the Scripture says on those things, that's the person that's going to be most readily played by those who have an agenda that come in using these different fronts in order to try to manipulate with guilt. You Look at you. Look at what you've done. or Look what your people have done. Look at what my people have suffered or look what I've suffered. Therefore, you must do this. And man, the antidote is God's law and God's gospel. We've got to be clear on this and recognizing sometimes, as you said, there are going to be some cases where we are going to have to say, look, we don't know we don't have enough information, and we're going to humble ourselves before God and say, Lord, we need more light here, but we're not going to do things based upon uh, a person's telling me I've got to do it whenever the Bible doesn't tell me that. Mm-hmm. That's the challenge. So what do we need to do? We need to teach God's Word more rigorously and help people to understand it and take God at His Word more confidently 
than we have done thus far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's another theme that comes out in this film, and really there in the subtitle, God's World, God's Rules. You mm-hmm. say this at the very outset of that little um, trailer. You know, this is God's world. He gets to set the rules, which is something that needs to be recovered by Christians today. We, I, The way I grew up with this division of the sacred and the secular mm. is just a strong worldview that has set in in many um, departments of Christianity in America. So there are the sacred things, and there there's the sacred day, Sunday. And, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing sacred things, I read the Bible and I pray, and then I just kind of go out and I live in a secular world, and I, li- I abide by yeah. secular principles as I think about, especially my work, just how work operates. And I think we've gotten used to, man, if I, if I were to really try to apply these biblical principles in my daily life, I would get in a lot of trouble. I get in a lot of trouble quickly. <laughs> yeah. and, and now, because our society is becoming uh, less and less established upon that Judeo-Christian ethic, you're going to get in trouble even quicker. Yeah. And yet it's, it's the church's responsibility to disciple the nations. It's the church's responsibility to uphold Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and to live that out. And, and it's, I believe this is a place where we have erred in American culture. And now we're experiencing the downgrade around us. And I think many people are going, oh boy, like we need to rethink the way that we're thinking about the way the world works when yeah. it comes to issues of marriage, when it comes to issues of sexuality, and on and on and on. You could just make a long list. So hopefully this is a call for people to reconsider uh, what does it mean that God is the creator mm-hmm. of all that has been made? Like every single person made in his image. And if he is the creator, well, he gets to decide how how we should live, what we should do. And that means we have a warrant to go out into the world and to say, by this standard. Yeah, that's right. And I think one of the reasons that uh, Christians in America maybe have not gotten into much trouble is because we have not thought as rigorously as we should about those issues. And mm-hmm. so now that it's becoming increasingly evident, we're being more and more pushed and there's this fear and there's this reaction that is taking place. I think that's caught up in a lot of what's going on politically as people, you know, there, there've been articles written that evangelicals are operating out of fear. I think there's a, a grain of truth in that at least, but what again we must do is come back to the word. And what does the word say? You know, first Corinthians 10 31 is a worldview, man. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, that means mundane things in life, Monday through Saturday, have to be done to the glory of God. It's not just when you read your Bible. It's not just when you gather with God's people to sing and pray and worship. But when you play basketball or whenever you get up and you punch a clock to go to work or you drive a nail into a piece of lumber, I mean, whatever it is, that's to be done to God's glory. Mm-hmm. And we, we have failed, I think, uh, largely at communicating to our people, teaching our churches that to live as a Christian in this world is to live for God's glory. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the first question in the shorter catechism. Right. What is the chief end of man? And, you know, I think um, I can hear many, many, many evangelical Christians saying, no, like, we totally do. Like, we get it. We do live for God's glory, and we want to live for God's glory. But it's this, it gets down more to the specifics of, you know, by what standard, and then in the subtitle here, God's world, God's rules. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what does God's law require? Yeah. Which is why this podcast, we take the third segment to talk about God's law. Because, okay, you can say, well, I'm living for God's glory, 
but you're not paying a lot of attention or as much attention as you should to God's standard That's and right. what that means about the way you conduct yourself and, and the kind of conversation that you might enter, how, what kind of work you do in your life, and on and on and on, what kind of entertainment you engage in. So... That's that's a challenge because many people are going to say, well, no, I'm totally I'm all about living my whole life for God's glory. But it's like what what's happening now is the conflict of the people are creating their own standards for what's what when you're guilty and how you get forgiven. And Christians are starting to discover, oh, no, we've really got a conflict here. If I'm going to live faithfully, I'm yeah. going to have to trust the Lord and take him at his word. Yeah. And this is another area in which we're being played. The question could be asked for whose praise are you living? Because so much of what's going on under the broad umbrella of social justice today among Christians is this mentality of look at what I'm doing. Look at how loving I'm being to LGBTQ plus community, to that community by telling them, look, the, the Bible only whispers about this, you know, and, and heterosexuality is not that big a thing or however it's couched. And you get the praise of that community and you say, see there? You know, we're glorifying God. Are you we're, building a bridge. Yeah, we're making Jesus uh, more readily available to them rather than saying, wait a minute, what does the Bible actually say? Recognizing that there are going to be people who by nature, all of us by nature, are opposed to God. Nobody seeks God. You know, nobody is going to be uh, one to Jesus Christ by clever arguments or by downplaying what the Scripture says in terms of what is right, what is wrong. And so uh, I think what's happening in this whole movement is a lot of people are being held up as exemplary uh, Christians and how loving they are and how the various groups that are feeling oppressed are praising them in their efforts. And nobody's asking, well, what does God think? Mm -hmm. Is God being praised? Does God uh, rejoice in what we're saying and what we're doing? You know, I mean, whose approval are we living for? Yeah. I'm still fascinated by the recently we worked through the book of Acts here, even in our church. And if you just read it, <laughs> you know, I, I just heard an article recently where somebody was saying um, 1689 people are being too mean, you know, and look, <laughs> I'm not saying that there aren't mean 1689 people. You can be people. pretty mean. There are, yeah, yeah. I mean, I totally can. <laughs> there are mean Reformed Baptists. There are like, mean people in Big Eva. I remember not wanting to take on, you know, I get it, the whole thing. I don't want to be Reformed Baptist. Aren't they mean, scary, and they don't dance and whatever? Um, so that whole thing is a thing. But then the person grounded it and, like, and don't go back and point to, like, you know, Jesus, you know, turn it over tables and use that as a ministry guide. That's totally wrong. I'm like, well, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not, we shouldn't direct application some of these things. But yes, Jesus is a model for us and yeah. how we should live. And the apostles and, and the disciples in the book of Acts, I mean, they just went to every town and they preached the gospel and they got kicked out. They got stoned. stoned yeah. They got thrown in prison. Like it was a massive collision. It was a collision. I was, I was in Thessaloniki not too long ago and I was struck by there's a Starbucks and it's ancient and modern. So I'm sitting there drinking Starbucks. I'm just looking out the window. I'm thinking Apostle Paul came in here <laughs> in a few days, got kicked out. And like, I'm not getting kicked out. I'm here. I'm drinking my Starbucks, talking to people, having a great time. And it was, it was helpful to go. Mm-hmm. So some of this, hopefully what's coming out as our society changes, it's interesting. We've had some bad presuppositions yeah. and we've been navigating in American culture with those. And now American mm-hmm. culture has changed. And it's a time for us to go back and go, okay, let's, let's reconsider 
our book. Let's reconsider Christ. Mm-hmm. What does it mean that he's risen from the dead? What does it mean that God is creator? And mm-hmm. and then let us take God's word seriously. Let's take God seriously and live faithfully and know that's going to that's gonna create some conflict, but it's the kind of conflict that we don't relish in the conflict, but we relish right. in the fact that, yes, yes we are proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. We are proclaiming the truth that Jesus Christ is is risen from the dead. Yeah, I think what is happening is the facade that we have had over our Christian experience and Christian teaching for so long now is being ripped away. It is no longer accepted by the world. It's no longer approved. And in fact, it is uh, being exposed for what it is. We've said for a long time that, I think it was Chuck Colson that made this statement that the Christianity in America is a, a mile wide and an inch deep. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly true with regard to the Southern Baptist Convention. You know, we claim 15 million members. The FBI can't find half of them. Mm. And when are we going to deal honestly with that reality and then start thinking through, okay, how did we get here? What does that really say about us? It says that the Christianity that we are propagating, that we've been satisfied to live with for generations now is radically different than the Christianity of the New Testament. Mm. And are we going to face that and repent before God and start taking the steps necessary to demonstrate our repentance and submission to the Lordship of Christ? Or are we just going to go on and keep bragging about how big we are? Mm. By what standard? Watch it. God's world, God's rules. Spread it. Help us to uh, make it widely known. Again, we hope by God's grace to get the full film released in September of this year. But that's not going to happen unless we get other folks coming alongside us and partnering with us. Pray pray with us that this would be used to the glory of God and the good of His church. Go to founders.org. Check out this um, trailer that has been dropped. Share it all around. Thanks so much for listening to The Sword and the Child.